Welcome back, Ranch Nation. An honor to spend it with you, uh, as we do every week, right here from uh, one of the world-renowned, and I say world-renowned, technical trade schools. Not just technical, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's the East stuff. Valley Institute of Technology. Lots of goodness. That's what I say, goodness. We don't need to get complicated. Nope. I like the word goodness because it is all good. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, big shout out to the instructors on campus. Thank you so much. Uh, you guys and gals are unsung heroes. With that, I want to kind of parlay into the EVIT Foundation breakfast. I've got to announce it. You've heard it over the last few weeks. We're going to continue pounding. This is important. Yep. We're fundraising over a nice breakfast. Got to love breakfast. Breakfast, for sure. The best meal of the day. And what's even greater is you've got the students in the world-renowned culinary department cooking it up for you, people. <laughs> so all we ask is that you come with your heart, your mind, your spirit, your hunger, and your wallet. A few dollars. A few dollars. Uh, get on to evitfoundation.org. Bree's in studio on the board. Welcome, Bree. Good seeing you this week. Quietly, get on the mic. Hey, good to see you too, Frank. I got to give you a shout out. Uh, I'd like to declare, if you're new to Ranch Nation, it's a family show, which means we all have jobby jobs, and uh, we come to Ranch Nation for a little therapeutic action. All things automotive. <laughs> Absolutely. It's always one of my favorite parts of the week. But a big shout out to Bree. Uh, I would also add, uh, Bree is a talent voiceover. Uh, if you have a need to uh, do any spot work, commercial work, uh, reach out to us here on Ranch Nation. And uh, we'd love to introduce you to Bree. Uh, Bree doesn't do enough of her own uh, promotion, so right. we're going to have that written. A shout out. Right here on Ranch Nation. Get on to ranchnation.tv. Uh, thank you so much. All of our live listeners, uh, we try to get that link on our website, ranchnation.tv. Greg, it, it broke. I don't know if we were attacked uh, by the by uh, someone in Eastern Europe. I don't know. <laughs> Don't like car culture or not, but there's a hater out there somewhere. It should be working. We're not getting any text messages. If you're new to the show, uh, we're an automotive lifestyle show. You know, we like to highlight the goodness in the industry. Great folks from all over the world making a difference, whether it's in their service bays. We have a lot of shop owners and technicians or someone like uh, John uh, Johnny D. D'Agostino. Um, visit wrenchnation.tv. You'll find the latest shows and, of course, our podcast family. Thank you so much. Greg, how's your week been faring? Oh, it's been pretty good. It's already half over. Went quick. Yeah. You looking forward to it? It's a, it's a little early, maybe another week. You got Halloween. Uh, what are you, are you? Are you the kind of guy that dresses up? No, I'm not the guy that dresses up. I'm that guy. I believe that. I like to dress up because I got kids. They, they, hey, I saw a video on TV wearing heels one time. I don't doubt anything. <laughs> yeah, the high heel episode. I'll never live that down. Um, that was with uh, ABC 15. But yeah, we're going to get get our little Halloween on right before we jet out to SEMA Apex. There you go. So I figured I'd do that and then get all professional-like for SEMA Apex. There you go. But you know that's going to be too professional. Uh, it's not too late. It is uh, somewhat running to the finish line, but Apex uh, Apex Show uh, is coming up. The Automotive Aftermarket Parts Expo. Highly invite you guys to get out there if you can grab your crew where we assemble a ton of great training uh, for the industry yeah. and so on. Speaking of training, I want to highlight a show. A lot of you, you're doing well in your service-related business. Well enough to where you're so busy that you're having a tough time for you, taking time off for you. Have to have balance. You do. And we talk about that. But are you missing the balance because you're 
busy and don't know how, or because you're so busy, you're in your business and not working on it. Got a great, great show. Episode 271. I looked at the metrics of that show. You know, I look at the podcast mm -hmm. and see right. where I, and that's getting some pretty good numbers. And I think we're speaking to many of you, not quite burnt out in your businesses, specifically in the automotive arena, but really about, man, I so want to enjoy and, and sort of reap the rewards of my, my efforts. Show 271 uh, talks about how you can connect with a coach mm -hmm. in a 20 group. And of course, that was with uh, Vic Tarasic and Murray Voth. Uh, they're both joining up at Apex. You guys check them out. They'll actually give you a test drive of what a 20 group looks like. Now, if you're saying to yourself, what is a 20 group? Well, you assemble a bunch of progressive owners of businesses together to figure out ways to accomplish their goals outside of the business and not in the business. Uh, I, I use culinary, uh, the local restaurant. You got a great chef that opens up his place. And what happens? He's stuck in the kitchen yep. and he doesn't work on other things for his business. So highly advise you check that show out. And it's not specific to automotive. Before I get into news, I must check the weather with you, Mr. Greg, regarding the classic car and antiquities. Antiquities. <laughs> What's going on in the classic car world? Well, it's, it's interesting. I found, you know, going, I always look at historical auctions and, and old content and old data, stuff like that. And I came across a car that I think would please you and me. Yeah, I'm easy to please, though. I mean, it. you know, go okay. ahead. So Google this. This is a 1910 Detroit Model D. And one thing you might not know is this was an electric car. Yeah, electric's been around. It's been around yeah. a long time. That was the Model D Brom Classic. Model D. And uh, they built about 13,000 of those cars, and they were all over New York. Everyone drove them. And it was tended to go towards a female-owned car because it wasn't dirty, it wasn't gas, you didn't have to crank it. So it kind of went under the radar and got pushed aside because it was being known as a female car. And it just never took. What was wrong with our gentlemen back in the day? They wanted to get dirty and gas. And but that was an era. 1910 Detroit Electric, a 48-volt DC electric motor. With Edison batteries in it. And it I had a range of 80 to 100 miles on a charge. And they actually had charging stations. So I thought I'd share that with you today. Kind of interesting. I mean, electric has been around. It just like anything else, you didn't make it popular because a gentleman by the name of Mr. Ford came around and did a couple things. One, mass produced. Mm -hmm, exactly. And made it affordable. Kind of what I think we need to do with electric vehicles today. <laughs> right. Could Elon Musk be on the way? The interesting part about Henry Ford, he, he actually bought two of these Model D's for his wife and family. I see. So he, he owned two of them, even though he was building Fords. Well, um, I'm looking. Uh, this is probably a dated article. It says uh, 1910 Detroit on Bonhams.com, which I believe is auction stuff. It sold for 41800 Yeah. Right now, um, the market's going between forty and fifty-five, depending on the condition of it. Right. But it had leather fenders. You know, it was all lightweight. So yeah, it was kind of period era. It was a carriage on wheels. Right. It was a great looking car. It was basically like a, like a phone booth on wheels. It's so narrow, but... I just can't help thinking about, if you look at companies like Rivian, which has the all-wheel drive, their right. big deal is they put a motor, an electric motor at each wheel. Mm -hmm. So you get 
and you process and control that, that's like an ultimate yeah. off-road situation. Imagine doing that to a 1910 Detroit Electric. Somebody's going to do it. <laughs> uh, you'd have to beef up those wheels, these little tiny. That's right. But yeah. hey, a but ni- I like that. 1910 Detroit EV. Come on. Cool. It just never took off because I think, uh, of course, we're in a different time now. Yeah. It's taken off now uh, with the help of our government, right? Yeah. Some of you complain, like, we're going way too fast. I happen to think we're going too fast. I agree. I don't think there's enough. What's wrong with hybrid? Like, hybrid is practical for the consumer. Yeah, it is, but I don't think the industry is prepared for it. Yeah. Well, um, that's a nice report. I hope you see one of these in person. So do I. Actually, Jay Leno has... There's actually what a, doesn't Jay Leno right? not have? I mean, but there's the guy, only a few that are known to be in top running condition still, and Jay Leno owns one of them. Jay Leno, he owns it. Him and Dennis Gage actually took it on a cruise a couple of years ago. And you think you think Jay sits down at night over dinner and he just peruses stuff he doesn't have and he's got to have it? Oh, I I would. He is he is a, a consummate gearhead. Yes, he is. A lot of respect for what yep. he does. So yeah, that's my antiquity story. I love it. Well, uh, somehow, some way. That's going to relate antiquities to the show topic, maybe. How many of you are operating a business right now you have for many years? Specifically, let's talk automotive. A lot of you shop owners out there are listening to the show. Thank you so much. And you're ready to sell your business, but your numbers aren't ready. And perhaps you're not ready. Uh, There's a high statistic of business owners that sell their business And they sold, maybe they could have got more, maybe they didn't get enough, but more importantly, they weren't ready personally for transition. Now, remember, as a business owner, what are you doing? You're putting out fires for a living and all of a sudden you stop. So we're going to dive in to the topic uh, and touch upon some of the metrics uh, to help us along uh, those lines of how you can sell your business uh, for the best number that you can get. Not just decide, okay, I'm done. When I'm 65, I'm going to sell my business. Yeah. How do you run with that? Um, and so we're we're going to bring in an authority, Robert Allen, Acme Business Advisors. I've known Robert for quite a many years. He's a talented cat. He's out of Kentucky, Acme Advisors and Brokers. They're going to match maker up buyers and sellers of businesses, and they do a lot of help in the uh, area and arena of identifying and evaluating everything. And a lot of people don't realize they they should ask for help in these That's the biggest problem. They're not asking. So what a great guest to have on today. Yeah, and and they go through due diligence analysis, acquisition strategy. They'll do a business evaluation. So we want to, I want to touch upon that because look, we mentioned it a few shows ago, 77 million baby boomers. Wow. How many of those are looking to exit out of their businesses are they dialed in by way of their numbers? Is it too late for them to turn those numbers around so that they can get maximum right. profitability? And, and again, we're going to talk a little bit about the lifestyle. Uh, speaking of lifestyle, inflation, a lot of you upset. Not again. I know. It's a pain. These reports that are coming out, don't watch the TV. That's what I say. Just keep <laughs> yeah. gar- keep gardening. Went to California, obviously, and the gas, wow. I'm glad to be home. That's all I have to say. From We're talking seven, eight bucks. Seven. 29, I think it was 679, 729. I was like, wow. Yeah. And diesel prices, my poor truckers. Right. And in fact, that whole industry is, they're not getting the load rates. And that's, you know, that's a canary and coal mine kind of thing. Um, 
It's not a supply chain issue. I think right. the demand is now. So rent inflation, food prices, all this stuff, everything's going high. Well, guess what else is going high? Circle K's stations, the gas stations, are adding a new product for convenient pickup. The marijuana is now looking to be available. They're testing 10 stores in Florida. You can now pick up Mary Jane Juana. What do you call it, Mary Jane? I don't know, but it won't be a Circle K, that's for sure. <laughs> Maybe, but I found this interesting. Uh, we did post it up on our Service Life group. Next year, when consumers in Florida pick up soda, chips, or even a little candy bar with your kids, this is my problem. Mm. I mean, I, I'm look, I'm, I'm okay with the whole... You legalize it and so on, and you be responsible. I mean, people drink, and you got to be responsible. You can, you know, toke it up and be responsible. Or you could be like Snoop Dogg, and you have a guy that rolls it up for you. He gets paid <laughs> 50000 a year. But Circle K next year is serious. Uh, Circle K, which is based as a Canadian convenience store gas station. We have them here in Arizona. They're actually worldwide. There's Circle yep. Ks all over the world. Uh, they're teaming up. This was an official report. Teaming up with a leading cannabis packaged goods company, Green Thumb Industries. Okay. To sell marijuana at a limited number of locations in 2023. Well, I mean, I I just don't know how that's going to pan out. I mean, I guess it is part of how we evolve as a society. But everything's high. So that's Circle K. All right, that's your that's your bit of weird situation. I want to I want to regroup. We got just a quick few minutes before we take a break. I, I want to regroup on all things Dodge because uh, Stellantis, which is Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Yep. You guys need to understand. Over the last six months, they've had over one point one million vehicles uh, that have been recalled. We're talking about nine recalls. A lot of you drive Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. And I want you to just be aware, rollaway SUVs, trucks with malfunctioning electronic stability controls, tire failure risk recall. Get on to NHTSA, NHTSA.gov. Just takes two seconds. Enter in your VIN number and make sure you don't have a current recall. I want you guys to be safe. Yep. Again, Stellantis. Yeah, you have to do that nowadays. Uh, lots of recalls. So I want you guys to stay tuned. We're going to dive into the metrics, the numbers of your business. If you're a business, we're, we're going, gonna, we're going, going deep. Swimming. Putting snorkeling, scuba <laughs> gear. We're going in deep to the numbers of your business so that you can be successful as you think about exiting. Stay tuned, Ranch Nation. Bolt-On Technologies, automotive software solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-On Technologies software Provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me, my clients, and they're likely not to come back? Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to PartsAuthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. PartsAuthority.com. I want my mileage. 
mileage back. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG, BG. Whether you're looking for a full-service direct mail or you just simply want a few marketing materials printed for use in your store, MailShark has got you covered. With over 10 years of client service success with direct mail postcards, restaurant box toppers, magnets, and so much more, MailShark is there to help your marketing team acquire the clients you deserve. Pay weekly, pay as you go. There is no pressure, no contracts, direct mail. For more details, visit themailshark.com. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Greg Ovist and Frank Loitz hanging out with you right here, Wrench Nation. Uh, proud, proud. I think we're in our fifth or sixth year, I lose count, of doing the show right here live from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Listening to the show, you're supporting a great school right here in the East Valley. All my parents, uh, there are periodic tours, but for now, remember the EVIT Foundation breakfast. You can uh, join in that, evitfoundation.org. Now, part of... You've attained a skill set. You're good at what you do. You've worked the industry that you're in. And you decide to take the leap and open your own business. You made it through year one. You made it through year five. You're an 18, 20, 25-year mark. Age starts catching up. Looking for something different. I, or health. You see a lot of businesses True. advertised. Why? The why is important. And we're going to talk to our guests on the why. Why leads into a lot of stuff, True. by the way. Uh, health reasons. Change of career. Dead broke, got to go. <laughs> <laughs> but the, my point is, many of you are looking to do that, respectfully, but are in a position where, oh gosh, I'm not sure what my business evaluates for. I'm not even sure if I really watched my P's and Q's. I pulled in wages and I was able to get through paying Uncle Sam and keeping yep. my business afloat and my clients happy. Uh, I want to bring in Robert Allen from Acme Advisors and Brokers. Robert, are you hanging? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Welcome, hey, welcome. to Ranch Nation. Yeah, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me very much. Thank you. Isn't that the truth, though, Robert? Uh, one of the most important things that could take place in a business we're not quite prepared for. And that's the exit. I imagine you see a lot of interesting sort of, well. Scenarios. I, 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 well, not only <laughs> scenarios, but heartbreaking situations that you know, okay, this is a deal that I know we can help and save. Because that's yeah. what you, you, you're about, Robert. Talk to us about what the regrets are, first off, when someone is selling a business. I'd like to tackle that. Not knowing anything, they sold it. What could they be sorry for after they sell it? Not on a numbers, not on a numbers side. Because we can always complain, I didn't get enough money, right. right? But more on a lifestyle side. How many people are unprepared for what they're actually going to do with their life when they do sell their business? Yeah, I mean, most, most uh, entrepreneurs that sell their company... Um, don't really 
think about what comes next uh, until they're in the conversation. Um, unfortunately, it's not it's not always talked about in business management circles and um, you know the the human ego likes to preserve itself. So it likes to uh, think things are never going to end, and uh, and everything has a cycle, right? So, um, so you know, a lot of stuff that comes. We we, have, we talk a lot about the next chapter, like uh, helping our clients navigate uh, painting a very clear picture of what comes next and what they're going to do next. Whether it's another business, uh, whether it's uh, investing or advising or coaching or um, just, you know, actually sunsetting and spending some time with the family and finally doing all the things that you wanted to do um, that you just never got around to. So um, it does take it does take some, you know, some uh, uh, refocusing, um, but it's really worthwhile. It helps you keep your eye on the ball um, when things get a little bit wobbly afterwards. Yeah, no, I mentioned this because I've personally talked to, over the years, many not just automotive you know, operators and owners, but just business folks in general, um, that had a sale transaction and they weren't, they were not prepared for what it is that their life's going to look like. And, you know, we're not talking about, all right, sales done. I'm going to go fishing every day. All right. Everyone assumes that I'm just going to relax and do everything that I ever wanted to do. And that's fine and dandy, but we're talking about how do you sell something and then all of a sudden you're putting the brakes on and you go through this transition. Part of what you and Acme Advisor and Broker Team do is you're guiding folks. And we're going to get to the numbers. A lot of you are chomping on the bits for numbers. But I think lifestyle is critical because I think you'll agree, Robert, if you, if you have a business for sale and you get your sale price, that's a win. But if you're not prepared for the transition of what, what in the, are you going to operate a hot dog stand part-time to feel <laughs> like you're connected to commerce? I mean, that's a reality. You offer that in your evaluation and, and consult. Yeah, we, we, help, we help individuals just understand, you know, how they might um, redistribute their time and, and attention afterwards. Um, yeah, and it's different for everybody. So, um some folks really are done and they're like, I really want nothing to do with it. But more, more often than not, you know, uh, entrepreneurs want to stay busy. A lot of them uh, have, a, you know, they want to contribute to their legacy and they have philanthropic things they want to do. Uh, you know, some of them are just taking care, you know, taking care of their own business closer to uh, their own community and stuff like that at a, at a greater level. So it just depends. Yeah. No. And I, and I, like I said, I, I've talked to some, some owners of businesses that, then it's a pay it forward and that keeps them connected, which is awesome. But again, we have to bring that up. All right. Now, listen, I have a business and, you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with brokers or coaches or consultants and I want to sell my place wow. on my own. I, I just, I can sell my house. I can sell my car. I've been in business since 1920. I can certainly sell my business. What is the problem with a for sale by owner mindset when it comes to selling a business? Mm. Yeah, that's kind of a big question. But uh, as far as as those go, um, you know, you just have to understand that, especially the times we live in right now, um, the the buyer side of transactions are becoming far more sophisticated. 
Um, and what I mean by that is there's actually courses that entrepreneurs can take on how to actually create what they call buy models, which help them understand and run a lot of the same tactics that like a private equity group or um, a large investment group would do, a consolidator typically referred to, as, uh, would do um, in terms of looking at deals. And then they're looking at a lot of deals. So they actually have uh, business development groups that go out and try and shake the bushes. And uh, we even hear a lot nowadays where private equity groups are contacting <laughs> business owners directly. Um, I've, ha- I've had a few of those emails, I-, I would just tell you, Robert. Yes, I've seen that oh, yeah. in the last, uh, well, all uh, all things post-COVID related, I've seen an uptick where it, it would typically be mediated through a firm. Um, there's an email, we're after buying your business. Why Why do you see that happening now? Can we speak to the automotive sector? Why, why is the automotive sector specifically right now seems to be on fire What's the story there? Is it is it it's super profitable? Yeah. Is it trajectory? What's going on with that sector? It's you know it's the old story of you know real estate right. So location, 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 and then also um, uh, strategic um, be- uh, beneficial add-ons or what they call tuck-ins um, for specific regions. Like you know, a supplier may need a certain number of shops to do something in a specific area or. Uh, a shop that can do this or that, like we see machine shops are really popular too as a as a type of business that gets sometimes packaged in those deals. Um, that's just an example, but um, there's a lot of like strategic just consolidation happening right now, and they want the best shops at the best locations, the best customers, and the best locations uh, to build out. And then they're turning around oftentimes those those groups, and if they're a, like a strategic buyer group. And then they're packaging those up and flipping them to the larger consolidator. So it's kind of like a double move. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, very popular right now. And and would you say that this is really this real estate really a game changer because that allows these consolidating groups to flip a business? I mean, I hate to use the word flip right. because it's so it seems so insensitive, but it's an investment. How successful can a small shop operator be in selling his business without real estate? Um, he, he or she can be, uh, just they have to um, have extremely solid cash flow and they have to really have solid staff. Um, that's the other thing that I'm sure we'll touch on, but personnel, uh, capable personnel, um, key personnel, you know, shop managers and or you know, solid uh, ATEX and stuff like that are really uh, valuable. <laughs> so if you can tell the story that you have that and they're willing to stay with the transition and be a part of uh, what comes next. Um, can I ask you, Robert, on that? Because that's so critical. Um, we know that when a business is sold, sometimes there's not only, you know, the transition of an owner shifting out, but there could be a shift of, the team, the team's not happy. Can I ask you for some of that advice for those that are listening? How do you prepare a team? If, if you've built up such loyalty with a, with a great team in the back, how do you prepare a team that you're selling? Could you give us some insight? Cause many, many shops right now that are considering selling that's top and center. Like I'm worried they're all going to quit. And, and especially for those that may carry 
some money. You know, they may take a couple bucks up front and then they want to carry for five years to make a deal happen. How, how do you approach uh, the team in a transition? Yeah, you have to be, you have to um, be very, you have to walk, you know, uh, a thin line there, a fine line there, because there's a time, there's a time to bring those key personnel into the conversation uh, ahead of, you know, the deep dive with the buyer or the buyer group. And uh, what you, you know, what you hope to do in those conversations is to secure their, uh, their, you know, their buy-in to what's about to happen. Um, but then also incentivize them. Um, and so there's ways to do that, you know, financially from an equity standpoint. Um, there's, there's a few different things you can do to keep somebody involved and give them a sense of, you know, future vision in that project. It really comes down to what the buyer has in mind too. Um, so that kind of all goes back to, you know, who you decide you're going to sell your company to. Uh, I think that's one of the most important decisions you can make um, because it really has to, um, if you care about your employees and you care about your legacy, um, that selection is, it's everything. Um, you know, some people, you know, just want to cash out. Um, but then there's, then there's what comes with that. And that's usually not a very good scenario for anybody. Um, yeah. It has so to be planned. The, the, the buy-in yeah, on that. I, it's, yeah. it's almost like a marriage, I say, because, because like you were mentioning earlier, uh, almost all all transactions now, all, pretty much nearly all transactions, the owners are carrying a piece of the action. I mean, they're they're banking a piece of the transaction for a period of time, and depending on how it, it's price and terms, right? So uh, price and then terms. Terms are all negotiable. Um, most things can be most everything can be worked through if you have a willing buyer. Um, but you know, the owner is going to probably be on for a period of time afterwards, too. They're not going to just immediately exit, usually. They're usually going to help um, steer the transition and then hand the, you know, the steering wheel over and then hop out when the car gets to, you know, decent speed. Uh, Understood. So. We've got a few minutes before the break. I've got to ask you another question. And if we can, moving forward, I'd like to focus on the smaller business that may not own real estate. I think the a lot of folks that listen to the show, I mean, we... I'm not saying we don't have investor types with real estate portfolios and stuff, but the smaller business owner uh, and, and, you know, that's auto shop owner, but also includes any uh, uh, business. 50% of the agreed deals as a statistic that's out there um, never close the deal and make it to the finish line because of due diligence issues. And, and I and I don't. I we could probably talk about this for hours. You can give seminars on this, but could you give me one or two things if one is listening right now about their business that is imperative to get in line immediately, so that they can get to the finish line? What yeah, is the one I or mean, two things you can tell us? The number one thing is be impeccable with your books. Right. I mean, that's, that's the kind of the, all, all answers. I mean, if uh, somebody's going to dive into the books and, the, you, you know, you have an evaluation and you want to defend it at the table in a negotiation and also for the purpose of gaining finance um, for both the buyer and for yourself, um, you know, the books have to tell the story that you're telling. Yeah, and I, I find that sometimes um, there's a, 
couple of different stories <laughs> to the book uh, or books. It just shows that selling cannot be spontaneous to be successful. No, I, 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 I don't some think historical so. Historical, yeah, behind that. Yeah, I want you guys to visit Acme Advisor advisorsbrokers.com. Of course, we'll have that in the show notes. I want to bring Robert back after the break, and I actually want to go a little deeper, specifically on the automotive side, regarding what a percentage uh, of cost of goods is is uh, healthy, what a percentage of your cost in labor, uh, and, and maybe we dive into a few other line items, and then also talk about the multiplying net factor of what your business is producing by way of a net, and what that could be worth. We're going to try to tackle that with the time we have remaining. Stay tuned. Wrench Nation. Support for Wrench Nation Car Talk, the smart choice for auto parts, Pronto National Association. Pronto is committed to the independent automotive aftermarket and demonstrates leadership within the automotive industry. Pronto Association is made up of nearly 100 member auto part distributors. Visit pronto-net.com. Automotive technical training, parts lineup, and representation of the automotive member community. Pronto-net.com. Now, I got to tell you, I'm pretty excited about this. We have a benefits portion of our website, WrenchNation.tv, where we've got benefits for the Wrench Nation community, which is really protection for you, your family, your team. Your culture is important. Your team environment is important. So we're going to make it real easy for you to shop for health care, life insurance, device insurance, even pet insurance. I'm excited to share with you the benefits for the Wrench Nation community. Get on a wrenchnation.tv. We've made it real easy and simple. Your small business team deserve no less. Get on a wrenchnation.tv. Check out the benefits page and check out health insurance, life insurance, car rental, condo and home insurance. You name it. We've got your benefits covered. GetRichBenefits.com or WrenchNation.tv. 52% of the population family are women. We love you ladies, but less than 3% of you women are professional technicians. Our charity partner, TechForce Foundation, believes if we want to solve this little technician shortage, we need to start talking to 52% of these ladies out in the population. Head on over. If you feel like you can tinker with the best of them, head on over to TechForce.org. Welcome back, Wrench Nation. Always good to hang with you guys. We're talking about the topic uh, about selling your business. And your numbers are a little crooked. Uh, it's done you well, but the numbers aren't straight. In other words, they're not ready for a sale because maybe they're, the numbers are kinked. Yeah, they're not ready to be reviewed I mean, yet. you've reported taxes. Yeah. You've done all those things legally that you should do and you were fine. Uh, but specifically, I want to dive in deeper to the automotive sector. I have a lot of shop owners listening to the show, and we've got Robert Allen uh, with Acme Business Brokers. Uh, give us a website, Robert. Acme, it's acmeadvisorsbrokers.com. Okay, great. Again, we'll have that in the show links. All right, I want to get in the nitty-gritty. I've got five uh, automotive startups over the last 25 years that I've sold success- successfully, and it didn't, it didn't happen... Uh, where I decided a touchy feelsy I'm going to sell. It was from day one, grow it, build it, a culture, keep it profitable, and keep it sell worthy. And some of the metrics that I want to get into is the cost of goods, particularly in parts. 
uh, a lot of places, and I still to this day, I'll go through some non-disclosures. Obviously, I'm not going to mention them on air. And I, I'm looking. I look at businesses all the time in my sector, and I see a parts GP of 30 and 40%, where you should be getting 52% gross profit on parts. I'm going to continue, Robert, and you can chime in in a minute. Labor, you should be leading a, light, a labor dollar hour should not be what the temperature feels good on the day that you open your business, but what is sustainable to pay people well, sustain low turnover, and pay yourself a profit. There's no shame in profit. And that labor should be 70 to 72%. So when you are as a business owner, I'm speaking to automotive shop owners, you're designing your business, that labor rate should indicate what it takes to get to 72-ish percent labor gross profit and 50-52% on the gross profit. It's going to give you a mix in general. If you add those, divide by two, 62%. Now, some of my European shops, uh, your your part number is lower. Uh, for some reason, you feel like you can't be more expensive than what the dealer is. I, I don't buy into that. I think your business should be pr- uh, priced out to pay people well, promote a culture, keep you alive in year eight, year nine, year 10 through the downturns, and ultimately, no shame in the game, how do I exit out? That is, in a nutshell, a basic formula. There are other line items. There's probably a good 20 to 30 line items, and I will just invite you, uh, reach out to either Robert Allen, Acme Advisors, Brokers.com, or myself on RanchNation.tv. Now, let's talk about this. Give me a scenario. You've walked into a business. They've reached out to you. And everyone after the end of the conversation, Robert, uh, it seemed like the clouds rolled in because this business owner had a business they thought was successful. And by all rights, they were successful. But the numbers were a little goofy. Can you tell me about how you go in with your team and dig deep Roll up sleeves to turn that around. Give me a case scenario. Well, yeah, we always, um, the first thing we always do is evaluation of the business. Um, and that you have to know where you're at to know um, what a realistic listing price is for a business. So that, that's usually the very first thing that has to happen. Uh, I got to interject. I have to, because that number seems to be a mystery. Um, I talked to a few shop owners, and, it, and it, it's gut-wrenching. They, they want to sell their business, but they don't even know what, how the formula, what. So can you talk to us a little bit about the net multiplier? That number seems to go around and people talk about it. What is a multiplier to a net as sort of a part of the formula that dictates what something could sell for? Talk to us about the net multiplier. Yeah, so I would I would say the first caveat to that is that you know value, business valuation uh, depends on <laughs> depends on the approach to the valuation, and there's uh, three major ones, but three major uh, ways to calculate the value. Um, but it's a little bit of science uh, based on uh, historical data, you know, uh, previous transaction data. A lot of that stuff is available now. Um, through big data resources, we use 
services that aggregate all that data and provide us the latest. Um, and then it's a little bit of art. You know, what story can we tell about the operations of the business? Um, the, uh, like, for example, one of the, one of the, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but one of the great stories you can tell about your business is recurring revenue. If you can find a way to look at the numbers and tell the story of recurring customer business and the profitability of that, that's future cash flow for a buyer. So, um, so that's a good story to tell. Um, so, you know, but uh, right now, just based on the latest data, I, I did check before we, the, the call tonight. Um, last quarter, the across the nation for the sector of automotive repair is at 2.85 times free cash flow. So you'll hear folks talk about EBITDA, but EBITDA is not, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the standardized terminology they use now for free cash flow. We like to use, when you're talking about businesses that are less than a million or at about a million, we, we call it SDE or seller's discretionary cash flow or seller's discretionary earnings. And that's the amount that gets timed by that 2.85. And the average business last quarter in the automotive sector sold for around four hundred thousand dollars. So that's what they. So what with, they with that math, are you so with 2.85? We're talking about a business that may have cash flowed a hundred and twenty-ish thousand plus the pennies on the dollar for equipment, plus the name, the website, all those things. That sort of lead up to that end price, correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah usually inventory is figured separately, so that's, that's a calculation taken at the very end, and the buyer will purchase your inventory at that time. So that's separate from what I just disclosed or talked about. But, but everything else is, you know, could be folded in and cannot be folded in. You know, that, that's why I always say the two knobs are price and terms, right? Somebody says, well, you know, uh, you're not going to throw in real estate, but like, let's say, you know, you have some equipment or something, you might throw it in to the sale, final sale price to get the deal done. Um, or you may not, you may hold it out and say you're paying extra for this. And that happens too. So. Yeah. I have found from my experience that equipment, and, and it's disappointing because equipment is expensive. Um, equipment can almost be pennies on the dollar. In fact, I've seen businesses listed with, uh, no net, and a loss, and it's an inventory sale. But again, going back to your conversation earlier, it may be I'm okay with that as a buyer who's looking to expand a brand because that's a key location right. where mm-hmm. I'm not worried about inventory, and I'm sure you see those type of deals. Yeah, and some, sometimes it has to do with the way the financing is organized, like how the deals, uh, it, so for example, somebody um, is using an SBA loan, to make a purchase, those, those loan taxes have to be uh, structured a certain way where, quote-unquote, goodwill, or sometimes referred to as blue sky, is uh, a certain percentage of the deal and allocated a certain way. So you've got to move things around to get the deal across the finish line so the financing can be approved and everybody can move forward. So it really uh, depends. But that, that's why I come back to the, the fact that you got to have clean books. you got got to have the best books you can have, you know. Right. So I think I think as a strategy, it wouldn't I mean, we do everything for our businesses. But as a strategy, I think we need to keep in our quiver the idea that if we're going to live between two and a half to three times, then I need to focus on net. And again, I go back to this industry, which is the labor dollar. 
we lead by labor, mm-hmm. like gross profit from parts, that's cool. But full transparency, our profit is in labor. And by the way, pay your people well, which means you need to increase your labor, which then becomes value to the consumer. Many in the industry do not provide value. They're fearful of what they think they can charge because they're weak of value. Greg, you walk into a shop, you don't mind paying. But if you're not provided value, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And many consumers, it is a big, big misnomer. And I speak to the industry on this because I hear all these conversations about some sort of Oreo cookie pricing about, let's just put our finger in the air about what we should charge. <laughs> the consumer will pay. But you better have a business model that's dialed in. Your bathrooms better be clean. Your warranties better be tight. You better treat the ladies right. And then you can charge a labor rate that sustains positive vibes culture, paying people well, and the end result of what Robert Allen is talking about, which is a nice, clean net multiplier. And you can feel proud of that. Yeah, you're excited. And I see so many businesses that... um, and look, man, I'm speaking from Robert. I'm sorry, I'm getting passionate, you know. And some of you no, think, right. uh, yeah, this is good my listen, this is my really first important. business, because you don't know any better. When you're 25, what do we know? Price. I love <laughs> the people. I can fix the car, but we just know price. We don't know what cash flow is about. We don't know how to structure. Uh, what our line item budgets would be for uniforms and things like that, <laughs> right. so that we can end up with a net multiplier or, or net in general uh, that that's healthy. And so my first place was okay. This guy's seventy. That guy's sixty. That gal's twenty. <laughs> She's giving it away. Whatever. I'm going to be thirty five dollar and ninety cents. And you can't do that. And I speak to all of you individually. Whatever it is you do, create value. Work on that, grind the value, charge accordingly, period. And I think uh, from a micro to a macro level, Robert, you've seen quite a few different scenarios. Of course, uh, multi-store, real estate, but so many small business owners, you have to admit they should not be fearful and take pride in providing value and charging what they should charge for. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a maturation process, right? Like you said, like when we first open up the doors of any business, you know, we, we have a passion and an interest and, you know, we are the technician or the craftsman. And then we go through all the different stages of development and uh, eventually we become, you know, if we get to maturity, we become a business owner and we have systems and processes and operations and they understand all the different pockets of the business, uh, which nobody told us we were going to have to learn in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, uh, I got to ask you, Federal Reserve's current monetary policy is wonky. 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 I use the word wonky because that's a that's not an SAT word, but I like the word wonky because the last 20 years, it seemed like it was easy street, <laughs> at least from 2008. In other words, money was out there. You could acquire it. You could buy a house. Rates weren't crazy. Uh, you know, the economy seemed to be moving because we were on the Fed juice. There was a lot of money on the street. Now we have to pay for it, which means... Interest rates rise. How does this affect the current state of business loans and specifically these SBA loans? If I'm selling my business, should I think about that sooner than later in regards to the current climate of these? Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you absolutely should. If you're if you're actually looking at SBA, you need to get moving as quick as you can to um, understand 
the uh, increased complexity uh, around 7A and, and uh, the different types of loans that are available for transactions. Um, there, a lot of the criteria has shifted. They just um, last month, well, August, they raised the fees, the SBA fees on loans. And then now we have interest rates going up. So there's an adjusted chart of um, interest rates plus prime. All of that's on SBA.gov. And I, if you're interested in that, you should definitely look at it. And then you should absolutely get with a financial professional that could maybe pre-qualify your deal. And there are some really good lenders throughout the United States that are experts in SBA. And we're, we're, if somebody wants to go that path, um, we're pre-qualifying the deals now so that it's um, the, finan- the financial requirements are clear. And then when a buyer comes in, uh, it's like trying on a shoe, you know, like Cinderella. Either it fits or it doesn't, and, and, uh, and it's all pre-done so that there's not a lot of uh, drama around where's the money coming from and how it's going to work. Um, if that's the path that you're going to go with SBA. Now, if you're not, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ways to the hoop, but SBA in particular, you know, it's definitely a different time right now. What advice would you have for a small business uh, that has a rock store right hand man or woman that's been running the business as a manager? Uh, I work for Greg and his business. Him and I were tight for many years. He says, "Hey, I'm I'm getting ready to retire out. I want to pass this business on to you." What should I be aware of regarding passing on the sale of a business to maybe one of the rock star employees? Well, so it's kind of a tough conversation, but it's an important conversation uh, is um, uh, the the uh, heir apparent's capacity to endure the financing. Um, how will they, what, you know, they're going to have to come to the table with some skin in the game. Otherwise there's not going to be, usually it's broken into thirds on an inside deal like that, um, where, um, they'll come with some cash. They'll have to get some, you know, um, money from the bank. And then, uh, you're probably going to have to carry a piece of it too. So, uh, the question is, how is that pie divided up? Um, you know, what is that amount they have to come to the table with? And then over what period of time, uh, you know, on your part of the loan, what's the interest rate going to be? All those things just need to be mapped out and collateralized. And certainly uh, I, but, I may want to add to that. There, it shouldn't be. Greg should not leave me thinking as someone that ran the business on the front line. In other words, dealing with consumer client of whatever widget or service I provided. But Greg needs to make sure that he transitions the back back office cash flow mm-hmm. marketing ops and not do a hey i'm out of here in 30 day so you find a lot of those scenarios there needs to be a really agreed upon smooth landing to transition for success yeah yeah because that's the worst case scenario um you know your, your first question about why people sometimes are unhappy with transactions uh the worst case scenario is when you have to step back in yeah, and I've seen I've seen this firsthand, um, you know, with uh, one of the deals that we had. Um, it was unfortunate, but I think I think one could say that it's important to have systems, processes in place, short of being a franchise, right, and ensuring that that transition is understood under those systems and processes. 
uh, and it's not Frank goes pirate on what Greg built as a great system, and I decide I'm going to do it my way because I ran it. Do you find that often? You find these employees that may buy a business and the failure comes from the fact that, well, I ran it for this owner guy or gal. I'm going to run it the way I do. And they, they don't realize that there was a quiet system in place that they were even following for years. And they go out of business. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot to um, how a business got to be sellable. You know, um, I think a lot of times uh, there's a lot of uh, emphasis on the business running itself um, for, I'm talking about in a strategic buying scenario where they, you know, they want to make sure it's not owner centric or owner dependent, but, but, you know, a big part of the secret sauce is the owner. And so um, how do you transfer that, that insight and wisdom and expertise? You know, I, I think the best way to do that in a structured deal is to just make sure that the owner stays engaged for a period of time. Maybe it's right on the hip for a period of time and then they slowly transition out and become like an advisor or a consultant because they have skin in the game still if they're carrying a piece of the business, if they're carrying a piece of the, the financing, right? Yeah, no, that makes sure sense. That the, yeah, the person succeeds. Real quick, we have just a, a quick uh, minute. I wanted to wrap up a story. I knew of a Greek restaurant, Greek owner. The guy would have everybody out there dancing out there in the parking lot and throwing plates, and you'd pay $50 a plate to eat, and you just forgot about pricing. And it was an experience that he built. And I always thought to myself, that is the business. He is the business. God forbid he passes away. What what would happen? How... What, how so there's a moral to this story, and the fact is they just, after he passed, sadly, great guy, very sadly passed away, the business went out of business. So I would add to the soup to nuts of setting up your business is to ensure you get out of the way and you delegate to those fine talents that are already in your business. I think business owners get in their own way, Greg. They, they, do. they have a tendency no, I can't. This has always worked this way. I got to do it. And so if you're serious about selling your business, you need to allow the talents in your business to rise because God forbid right. something goes down. What's your family left with? So, so something uh, to consider. Uh, Acme at Advisors and Brokers is a matchmaker for sellers and buyers of businesses. I want you to get on to Acme advisors brokers.com robert allen i want to follow up in six months uh in case interest rates get to some ungodly <laughs> number uh over a hard refined beverage possibly hopefully not there's a fed pivot i guess maybe we'll see what happens there always an honor to catch up with you robert uh super proud of the great work you're doing and uh we appreciate you spending some time with wrench nation well, thank you for having me, Frank. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, see ya. Very appreciate it. Take care. So, that, right, I mean, that's what it's about. we got to be aware of that. Mm -hmm. Be aware of the plan. Be aware of the game. You're in it. But you got to step out and realize how that looks for the exit of your business. I know we didn't touch a whole lot of these further uh, points that we could go on and on about this. I remind you, get on acmeadvisorbrokers.com or reach out to me. I don't have the holy grail. Uh, we can set you up uh, with Robert. And if you have some basic questions, wrenchnation.tv. Good times, Greg. Thank you for hanging. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sounds As good. I tell you every week, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic.